The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Rick Munn is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, penultimate locked and loaded. Yeah, I think that's the right word. Penultimate locked and loaded for me of 2023, which is kind of bittersweet. I do love doing this show and I do love uh, TNT very much, but I'm really, really looking forward to uh, hanging up the earphones or the ear monitors tomorrow when I finish my shift and getting a damn good break over the Christmas period. And then I will be back locked and loaded yet again on the 1st of January 2024, ready to do it all again. And for all of you out there also, I want to believe uh, that you've enjoyed your time with TNT this year because so many of you, it's now part of your uh, daily routine. And it's great to log in here every morning and jump on the show and see uh, familiar names and uh, in some cases, faces on the live chat because uh, you guys, some of you have been here right from the beginning, right from the start of TNT, which by the way, uh, we'll celebrate all being well. It's second birthday in January. I do believe the first show ever was aired on Monday, the 10th of January, 2022. That was the first day that TNT were actually broadcasting. But uh, Mike and Jenny and a few other people were putting the show or putting the station together for a long, long time before that, before it came to air. And it's a monumental task. I tell you what, it's not something that I would have relished even attempting to do, let alone actually implement it. But massive uh, thumbs up on TNT salutes out to Mike Ryan and Jenny Squires and all the people that are involved in actually making this thing work because it is a monolith that's huge uh, it's like an iceberg what you see when you see us here and you look at the live chat that is just the tip the very very tip of a very very big iceberg most of it uh, goes on here TNT you don't see and you don't know and you don't know who the vision guys are and you don't know who the sound guys are and you don't know who the tech people are, but they're the people that are driving this all forward. So in case I forget to do it tomorrow, humongous respect and uh, shout out to everybody in TNT that actually makes this thing work because it is a massive, massive team effort. So uh, you can leave thoughts and comments in our live chat, tntradio.live. In this hour, uh, I'm going to be joined by Mr. Basil Valentine. Again, he's going to be making an appearance uh, at about 20 past the hour. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, we will connect with Rand Dawson, who's currently he's an, uh, an Irishman. No, he's not. He's an American based in Korea. And, uh, you know, the Sting song came to mind, an Englishman in New York. Well, we don't have an Englishman in New York. We've got uh, an American in Korea, hopefully joining us at 22, 22 11, that is UK time. So yeah, I've got a few stories here that I've highlighted, but to be honest with you, rather than me just rabbiting on about them uh, solo, I like to bounce them off Gemma uh, before we get to her main news article, because you know, it's good to get other people's feedbacks and opinions on what we're talking about here, yourselves included in the live chat. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back on TNT Radio. Don't go away. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, half for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Okay, totally uh, off topic here. Uh, Gemma, I just read this one here this morning, but we have had this conversation in various guises over the last uh, few months or so to do with architecture, inspiration, uh, getting out there, getting your senses stimulated when we go into public places, how they don't build great old cathedrals anymore. There are no more great works of art. Everything is, you know, blocks of this and, you know, neon this and glass and plastic everywhere. Ireland, uh, there's a shopping centre in St. Stephen's Green in Dublin and Ireland, a very famous and iconic shopping centre, uh, is getting a 100 million euro overhaul, but the, the, propo the proposal or the proposition from the architects has been bland, branded bland and underwhelming. So permission has been granted to redevelop St. Stephen's Green, which will see the current glass dome and facade replaced. These were iconic features of the current uh, building. Dublin City Council granted planning permission uh, to rejuvenate the shopping centre after applicants reduced the scale and the massing of the scheme. So in other words, they have an old landmark there that maybe needs a little bit of TLC, so instead of giving it a little bit of TLC, they're literally going to encase it in concrete and steel and reflective glass and take away all, you know, inspirational things about that. Is that another nail in the coffin for people's minds as they immerse themselves in the Dublin experience, which, by the way, is a very dangerous experience as well these days? Is it just another example of what we've talked about previously? Well, I rather wonder if um, the the architecture and the art that we look at now is just a manifestation of the, the artist or the architects or the planners mm. inner consciousness manifesting mm. itself outwardly and whether we um, really, it grates with us because our inner reality is very different to some of these people who are still, for want of a better word, it's a, it's a bit of a horrible word to use, but asleep or, you know, in the matrix or mm. it's the easiest way to kind of explain that, isn't it? And we, we've stepped out of that kind of programming and we see the world differently. But maybe, you know, people walking past this new revamped shopping centre won't see anything wrong with it. They'll think that's quite a decent piece of functional mm -hmm. architecture. End of story. Whereas someone like you or I feel the loss of beauty and architecture and art, for that matter, that are based on ancient classical principles, sacred geometry, the golden mean, things that exist mm -hmm. in nature. Um, we feel it very keenly when those things are being taken away from us. I'm not sure other people don't. I'm a big believer in the inner and the outer being one and the same. How you dress is a reflection of who you are. The car you drive is a very big reflection of who you are in terms of its style. Even the, your, the interior of your fridge, believe it or not, mm -hmm. is a big reflection of your inner world and who you are. You know, Is your fridge clean and tidy or have you have got bits of mold cold, at the back cold or, slot you know, that kind splattered of all over the inside <laughs> of the door i'm not i'm not owning that one by the way <laughs> but some but people will say people who are into metaphysics would say if you did have a piece of all the coleslaw splattered across the inside of the door that's a representation of something in your inner landscape that needs cleaning up i know it sounds a bit bizarre and i know that not everybody <clears throat> adheres to this philosophy but there are many books written about it so i'm just applying that principle to art and architecture. I don't know if it's deliberate. I wonder if it's just the architect or particular artist that you could argue, why do they get selected for these particular mm -hmm. projects? Actually, that is a thing. Um, but they don't see anything wrong. That's a reflection of how they're seeing the world and they're very happy with it. You find as well, Gemma, I'm thinking about this one here. If everything inspirational has been removed, let's say they get to the point where everything inspirational has been removed, everything beautiful, 
classically beautiful has been removed and everything is replaced by these, you know, steel and glass monoliths, well, then people have nothing to compare them to. I'm thinking about if you took, for example, the proposal, this 100 million euro proposal for this glass and steel facade to be added to the shopping center. If you take that and, for example, set it beside, you know, St. Paul's Cathedral, set them both side by side and then get people to line up and say, which one is most awe-inspiring to you? Of course, people through natural taste will maybe say, well, I actually prefer the clean lines of the, the St. Stephen's Green shopping facade, but I would imagine there's something deep within people says, well, actually look at the splendor, look at the way they've done the windows, look at the arches, look at the stonework, look at the spires, everything, you know, would inspire awe about classical architecture. Whereas now I think as these buildings are phased out or demolished and replaced by these with nothing to gauge it against or people are just looking around and seeing the same thing uh, everywhere they go. It's a little bit like McDonald's. You know, when you go in there, it's like, what do you want? Well, you get a burger or chicken nuggets. <laughs> That's it. You know, there's no uh, sauteed onions and there's no, uh, you know, medium rare rump steak on there. It's just deep fried, processed, uh, sugar coated muck. So, you know, when you go in, you well, actually, you know, it's this or this, you know, when you remove choice, I think, or you remove something to gauge something against, it makes it much easier to accept the bland and the mundane. Absolutely, it's it's a very good point. If you, it's almost like um, you, you you don't miss what you don't know, isn't it? If you talk mm -hmm. to anybody yes. who uh, who's like the younger generation, you know, we are middle aged now. But if you talk to people and say, oh, you know, pre nine eleven, there was no such thing as you know being X rayed and scanned and prodded and poked when you walk through an airport. Young people can't believe it. They're like, what? Mm -hmm. well, airport travel used to be different. You're like, yeah, amazingly different. But they're like, oh, I don't really see anything wrong with it because if you can't miss it, can you? If you've never had it, and if you're, it becomes normalized architecture like this becomes normalized then it's the norm um, i was very struck actually when you walk through london i went on so many anti-lockdown protests in london that i really got to kind of get to know the city of my birth i was born in the heart of westminster actually and but my family moved out when i was a baby but i was walking around and looking at old london as we knew it and some of the old architecture and then as you walk along the embankment towards you know like the city and you see the shard and you you see these buildings which are glass monoliths and they look like something mm -hmm. awful like the tower of mordor you know mm -hmm. and you're like mm -hmm. you you do literally see the skyline and how it's changed and it really hasn't changed for the better but again london's a deeply esoteric city so you could say that that is deliberate that's a deliberate yeah. dumbing down of, of classical mm -hmm. architecture in a very 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 special place yeah it is it is but uh that's just something uh to bear in mind uh when you remove and you eradicate as orwell said you remove all the old landmarks you remove everything that connected us to our previous past and our history then it become makes the new normal that much easier to swallow we've got a story here this morning a very interesting one the Australian government's e-safety commissioner is actually suing Elon Musk's ex for allegedly breaching online safety rules designed to protect children from sexual abuse. This is interesting uh, because I've used the platform for a while, and uh, although I'm no fan of Elon Musk at all, and I believe his, uh, his, his dealings with, you know, as a U.S. defense contractor are highly dubious, uh, it can easily be argued that the platform has been cleaned up to a degree under his ownership versus the way it used to be when it comes to child exploitation and child abuse accessibility. I think he's done it good in that respect, but yet they're prosecuting him, but not the previous owners. Well, it's interesting because I'm very new to the Twitter X party. Um, and I was 
<laughs> led there kicking and screaming because I need it because I work for TNT now and I have to be abreast of so many different things and what's trending. And of course, uh, Twitter X, it crashed for a while this mm -hmm. morning. Um, you know, did it crash or was it hacked is, a, is a, I think, a salient point. Um, but what is interesting is uh, the Australian government of, you know, they're, they're, they're suing him um, and uh, the EU is after him as well. We'll get to that in a minute. So it seems that you know, maybe he has cleaned the platform up. I don't know what it was like before, um, but whatever he's doing, he's rattling feathers across the world and they seem determined to use every bit of legislation they can um, to, to shut the platform down by the looks of it. So the e, uh, Australian government's e-safety commissioner filed paperwork in the federal court yesterday. If you're in Australia, you probably know this, but here in the UK, we're a bit behind you. So it's breaking news for us. Um, but they filed these papers in the federal court over X's alleged failure to comply with the transparency notice issued against it in February. And that notice, as you rightly say, Rick, required X to re provide information about how it was meeting online safety standards in regard to child sexual exploitation and abuse. Um, the Aussie E-Safety Commission alleges that X has failed to respond to this and it has failed to respond truthfully or accurately to its questions about online security. It hasn't made any specific allegations that, that mm. X is carrying, you know, material that promotes child exploitation mm. or abuse. It just wants it to answer some very general questions about what it's doing. But as you say, it seems to have already done quite a bit to clean the platform up. Um, because X failed to comply with this trans uh, the information, um, in September it was issued a fine of $610,500, um, which it hasn't paid. Um, and X says it wants a judicial review of the commissioner's reliance on this transparency notice. It said, right, if you want us to respond to this, tell us why you need it so much and get a judge to do it. Um, not just that, though. In the EU, the EU has said HITS launched its investigation of X over suspected breaches of obligations under its Digital Service Act. Um, and this is the first probe that the EU DSA, Digital Service Act, has carried out since it came into force last year. So the Digital Service Act here in the EU, well, not here in the EU, we're not in the EU anymore, are we? <laughs> requires, um, it requires online platforms and search engines to do more, to tackle illegal content, risk to public security, blah, 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 all the usual yeah. stuff. Um, and it's focusing on X. Uh, to provide information about its dissemination of illegal content and its effectiveness of its measures taken to combat manipulation and misinformation. Now, that is a result of what happened on October the 7th when the EU uh, security industry chief, he wrote to all the big platforms and said, just be mindful of your obligations now under the Digital Services Act with, you know, accuracy. Um, and he, Elon Musk was the only one that challenged him and said, you know, what do you mean, you know, disinformation? You, what are you saying about disinformation? Uh, the EU didn't like this, and that's when they started this investigation. Only X, none of the other ones. So it seems that standing up to the system and standing up to the Digital Service um, Agency and Act, they didn't go down well in the EU, so they've launched their probe. So he's clearly rattling feathers with his new improved yeah. Twitter X. Um, let's see what happens, because obviously all of these kind of clauses and, and acts, they apply to everybody that's online. So that would include eventually TNT. So it's, it, it's yeah. a precedent, isn't it? If he goes down, it they is. can take everybody down. Uh, and, and you know what, let's uh, even giving him, you know, in my, from my perspective, because everybody's got their own take and everything, and who can honestly say that they've got everything right or they've got everything wrong. But uh, if I was to give Musk the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, he's on our side and he is going to give everybody free speech, uninhibited free speech, the one big fly in the ointment is regulation uh, from Ofcom, for example, within the UK. So we know that whenever the Russia-Ukraine conflict kicked off, one of the first things that happened was they censored RT News. So I cannot get access to RT uh, where I live 
because of uh, blockages that were enforced by Ofcom. They're deemed to be subversive material and we shall not be allowed access. The same thing happened in America. They had to move their entire headquarters away out of America and uh, relocate back over to Russia again. So there is the possibility, and Musk was told this uh, whenever he bought the platform, he said, listen, you can give your users freedom of speech if you like, but if they break other rules that we set down, then we as the regulators, Ofcom in this case, have the power to shut the platform down or de-platform you, for example, in the UK or wherever the regulators' powers extend to. So whilst he may deliver what he said he was going to do in regards to free speech. There's still this problem, Gemma, of all these countries, like it's happening in Ireland, it's happening in South Africa, it's happening in the UK at the minute, the online harms bill, the hate offences bill in Ireland, it's happening in Australia too. You may have the freedom to say what you want on your chosen platform, but then the regulators have the power to close that platform down completely. If the platform itself is not complying with their rules and regulations, it's a very uh, nasty uh, game of cat and mouse that people are having played with their uh, freedom of speech. And uh, we're part of that as well. We are part of that. And I think what's very interesting about the Australian case that was, you know, the father paperwork yesterday is, is it, they only want some general information about how X is meeting online safety standards. You know, when, when you're talking about child sexual exploitation and child abuse, you would think that they would be able to hone in on specific examples, which would give their kind of case a bit more credibility. But it's just general information. So you can almost understand why he hasn't responded urgently because it's just a general inquiry about online safety. No examples of like, well, we could see this web so it was clearly um, being you know, linked to paedophiles or this this account is somebody who was convicted of paedophilia or something like that. You would think they ha would have a specific to be able to file this paperwork. It looks more to me like they're annoyed he didn't pay the fine that, that they issued in September and they're annoyed he didn't respond earlier in the year to their questions, which is why they issued the fine. It's more like they yeah. don't just can't bear somebody standing up to them, which as we know from the last few years, they don't want anyone standing up to them, do they? They just want everyone to do as they're told. Well, we're going to find out, I think, next year is going to be a very telling year, Gemma, for everybody, uh, whether we be individuals or whether we be part of any uh, larger platform, just exactly what we will and will not be allowed or regulated to say next year, whether or not the plug gets pulled on us individually or as part of any platform that we're part of and we don't have too long to wait to see what's going to happen. But we will, of course, keep on top of that one as things continue to develop. So big thanks to you, Gemma, as always, for the input this morning. Uh, we'll be back together on our tomorrow morning at 9 on the Open Line Show. And in the meantime, please stay tuned. Basil Valentine is incoming. We're going to chew the fat here live, uncensored, unedited, only on TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Yep, it is the coolest, and it is live, and it is TNT Radio. This is Locked and Loaded. I am Rick Munn, and we are coming at you live from our uh, headquarters, I suppose, or I would refer to them as TNT Towers, on the Gold Coast in Australia, near Brisbane. So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and of course, whatever you're doing, we hope it's nice. Uh, please enjoy the remainder of your time here on the Locked and Loaded Show. I'm really happy to be joined again by an old colleague, an old sparring partner from England. He hasn't been on with me talking and chewing the fat since February. It's been 10 long months, but he's back again like the proverbial prodigal son, none other than Mr. Basil Valentine. How the hell are you doing today, my friend? Good morning. Great to be with you. And hello to listeners all around the world. Yes, yeah. I've missed you too, Rick. Yep. And it's good to be reunited here again, unlocked and loaded again. Baz uh, used to be on every, well, not every, uh, but every second or third every Wednesday, week, yeah. we had a dedicated yeah. slot and I always look forward yeah. to it. But then there was so much going on, so many uh, more stuff was going on behind the scenes that Basel's been involved with, but I'm glad to be able to chew the fat with him briefly here, even this morning. Basel, a lot happening in the world right now. I'm going to just pitch something right at you here, I suppose. This is a good news story of sorts uh, to do with the EU dump more than 200 million uh, COVID vaccines. Now, albeit it has cost the taxpayer 3.4 billion pounds, but Ireland alone has ditched almost 1 million vaccine doses, research indicates. So although this is a disgusting waste, squandering of public money, of taxpayers' money, running into the billions, could the silver lining in this otherwise black cloud be, well, at least millions of people aren't getting this uh, mRNA toxin pumped into their shoulders coming up to Christmas. It might just save a lot of lives. Yes, uh, $4 billion euros worth. I mean, that's an enormous amount, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. one wonders what else could have been done with that money. 215 million doses. But is it really any surprise? They, the calculations based on available data show that EU countries have discarded an average of 0.7 jabs. So almost a, almost a whole jab for every member of their population. Mm -hmm. Top of the That's scale is Estonia, which pinned more than one dose per inhabitant, followed closely by Germany, which also threw away the largest raw volume of jabs. 
If this average wage rate is projected across the rest of the European Union, it will equal more than 312 million destroyed vaccines. And yet, hasn't uh, Rishi Sunak done some huge deal with Moderna to build uh, a whole string of factories producing more of this garbage? I mean, even his most sort of ardent supporters are starting to peel away now Mm. on the basis that the stuff is A, completely useless at what it purports to do, and B, extremely dangerous. It's the opposite Mm -hmm. of any kind of health treatment at all. It's extremely damaging and of no, I mean no, therapeutic benefit to the recipient whatsoever. Yeah, it's quite bizarre, actually, when you contrast uh, the amount of doses that are being dumped at the minute at the cost of billions to the amount of building more factories across the world at the cost of hundreds of millions, if not billions, to make more factories producing more of this mRNA product. Uh, You would think uh, it doesn't make sense from a business perspective. Yesterday, uh, we covered a story that Rwanda, which is uh, in the news nonstop at the moment over the potential uh, movement of illegal immigrants from the UK to Rwanda. Rwanda. They have just signed a contract with a German biotech firm. It's actually BioNTech, a, 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 an arm of BioNTech, are actually going to be building the first mRNA vaccine factory in Africa for the benefit of all those Africans there that effectively dodged the mRNA bullets during the scandemic because they were having none of it whatsoever. Rwanda has now been isolated as a as a as a as a building ground for a BioNTech 100 million pound. Uh, production facility there too, against the backdrop of billions of doses and billions of pounds worth of doses being effectively dumped or going to landfill. Certainly a lot of uh, questions need to be answered uh, with that. And undoubtedly we will get some answers as to why they're persisting with this uh, into the next year. So we're going to take a quick uh, news break right now, uh, just for some headlines. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. A few other issues that I want to bat your way, Basil, just to get your input on them. And uh, yeah, please stay tuned. This is TNT Radio. News Talk Radio. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Hamas has released a video praising Australia, Canada and New Zealand for backing calls for a ceasefire in Gaza. The US is losing interest in Ukraine as its seemingly endless stream of cash dries up. And it's been revealed Chinese President Xi Jinping delivered a blunt message to Joe Biden during their meeting in California, warning Beijing will reunify Taiwan with the mainland and says Washington must mind its own business. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Okay, I just want to give a massive uh, shout out to Basil here. I don't know what he's on or if he's telepathically connected to me or not, but uh, that article that we were discussing there, he didn't know what I was going to talk about. It's an article that I highlighted yesterday that appeared actually in the Express in the UK, and I started reading it out, and he literally seamlessly somehow uh, had the article up and continued to fill in the gaps. Basil, what the hell's going on? Are you a a telekinetic or a telepath or what are you? No, I'm uh, what's called an omniscient guru. 
<laughs> well, you really, you are. Know, uh, you, not, not many people, not many people really. can live up to that title. But yes. I am, I am absolutely <laughs> stunned. People, this is no joke. Listen, I highlighted this article from the Express. Didn't tell Basil what it was going to be talking about. Brought it up, started to read it, and as I was reading it, he somehow had it at hand and continued reading it on there. So maybe that's a sign, Basil, that we're on uh, exactly the same wavelength and frequency now. And yes, you'd have that well-deserved title of an omniscient, all-knowing guru of all things that are going on <laughs> geopolitical. And no one no one can take that away from you, Basil. This has been proof. If proof was ever needed in a court of law, if you ever stand accused, you will be found guilty of said title. So I want to move on. I hope you don't do it with this one. Otherwise, you'll completely freak me out. Uh, but uh, move uh, within... within Within the UK, okay, uh, you you're you, you're out and about. Yeah, you visit town, you visit the city, you go for watch. You see the way things are changing in the high street. Uh, there's a new move, or there's a move on at the minute uh, towards closing down a lot of UK banking branches. Okay, so we're well aware of that. A lot of branches are closing. Some branches they're telling us now we can't even get cash with them. Uh, Barclays. Barclays uh, local opens in Wroxham after Hoveden branch closes. Now, this is a UK-based story. And actually, the, the, the press shot for this, they're standing outside this part-time bank with a big blue ribbon that they're cutting as if they're launching some great work of uh, you know engineering to be put into the sea. It's not. It's a launching of a Barclays in Wroxham. So basically, the branch closed in Station Road on the 1st of December as part of 214 announced closures, which is in a third of the entire UK Barclays network. It means Barclays will no longer operate branches in Northern Norfolk following the announcement earlier this year. So basically what they've done is they've replaced the Hoveton branch with a Barclays local. And what that means is to the, to the layman or the laywoman out there is it's a cashless banking service available for simply three days a week. Now, can you cast your mind back to when you were a young lad, or I even was a young lad too, uh, we're both around about the same age, the thought of a bank, A, being cashless, and B, only opening for three days a week would have been completely alien and foreign, but it seems to be now the new business model that Barclays are rolling out as part of a huge cost-cutting exercise. How can this be good for local communities? Uh, I'm noticing too that uh, in a Kent High Street, two banks about to close, and the MP saying it's very bad for business. Often these banks are situated in rather grand Edwardian or uh, Victorian buildings, and uh, they then get converted into, of all things, pubs and restaurants. That isn't necessarily a bad thing. The sort of the days when. Uh, you know, most banking was done over the counter. I mean, can you remember going into a bank with your checkbook and card and writing out a check mm -hmm. for 50 mm -hmm. quid and getting the cashier to cash it, uh, Rick, mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. even each ATMs were the, were the norm? Um, yeah, I mean, they're making it increasingly difficult to get access to, to cash. Um, ATMs themselves are disappearing. Uh, the, you know, the vast banking halls of yore are no longer required. Now that you know, that's just simply a fact. You don't need banks don't need the you know the square footage yeah. that they used to have. You know, mm -hmm. um, 
but there's no reason why they can't evolve into something that continues to serve customers rather the better than they do. I remember the big step forward when they stopped closing at half past three in the afternoon, which is incidentally for those that might remember was because at half past three in the afternoon, they had to collate all the checks. Everything was in written checks, you know, seems so antiquated now. And those checks then all got, got sent off to a processing center overnight. It was absolutely extraordinary. Uh, I went when I believe it or not, I went to see it once when I was uh, thinking of working for Lloyd's Bank. I was I saw the inner workings of the UK banking system in about 1981. Um, so uh, then they, of course, they opened till five o'clock. Suddenly, oh my goodness, the banks open till five! Isn't that amazing? And um, now suddenly they've started shutting all the windows, and uh, you know no personal access for cash after certain times so it's you know it, it's back and forth all the time but certainly where banks close in the high street uh, people are denied access to cash and then those establishments those physical premises remain shuttered uh, that's uh, you know undoubtedly a step in the wrong direction and we forget of course there are still a lot of older people. I mean, my mother, yeah. for example, she's passed away now. She never went digital. You know, she never got to the point of uh, accessing the Internet. She never went on the Internet in her entire life. She didn't really like ATMs. She was, you know, one of the old fashioned brigade who, yes, walked, wanted to walk into a bank and be able to cash a check. You know, you're not going to be able yeah. to do that at all soon. Or take her passbook and I remember it used to be, you know, old folk would have went in with her passbook once a year and got it stamped up, you know, a print, uh, yeah. their little book printed on with their, their balance and what interest their compounded interest that accrued over the year. And that was something that they held very dear as a way to measure their wealth because there was no online services. And if you couldn't actually physically get to the bank, it was a nice little reminder in your little passbook and you could see the balance grow. There was a savings account. People used to like looking, oh, look what I had five years ago and last year. And I've added this this year. Oh, yeah. All that's out the window now. So I, I do feel for the for the older folk that are impacted by this. Although as well as that, uh, this uh, access to cash, there's a limit now a lot of banks are placing on the amount of cash that you can actually withdraw from a branch. They're telling uh, they're telling customers that they want at least 24 hours notice if it's over £2,000 cash withdrawal. You have to give a reason yes. why you're doing it. But a lot of ATMs, uh, a lot of ATMs, Basil, as well, that banks have, uh, you know, when they close, there's usually an ATM attached to that. These ATMs have been replaced by independently run ATM networks that you can still access and get your money out, but most of them charge a flat fee or a percentage of your withdrawal could be up to four percent in some cases. So if you're drawing two hundred yes. quid out on a Friday night, that's eight pounds. That's that's uh, that's more than you're getting interest on that balance uh, by keeping it in said bank. You're being charged maybe three or four times that in a withdrawal fee just to simply take your cash back out again. I don't think I've ever paid a withdrawal fee. I refuse to do so no. on a matter of principle. You yeah. know, even if it's just said one pound eighty or two pounds or something. Uh, since twenty fifteen, banks have been closing branches at a rate of around fifty a month. Fifty a month, but they could be fined if they breach a three mile radius rule on free cash withdrawals under new guidance announced by the Treasury. That was in October of this year. 
Okay. So the, a little bit like uh, if you went three miles away from your house during COVID, you could get fined for that. Uh, banks could also be fined uh, if you have to travel more than three miles uh, to get cash from an ATM network. I suppose that's one positive that we can take away from this. However, you know, one thing that galls me about all this, Baz, just as we'll have to wrap this one up here, we're, we're out of time already. Uh, when you think of the profits that banks make, when you think of the amount of the, the billions that they're making and the bankers' bonuses that get paid out, you know, year after year, decade after decade, they could take a little dip in the gross amount of profits that they're already making simply to keep these uh, more rural branches alive, simply for the benefit of the older clients though that don't want to go digital. But no, of course, uh, profit is profit and nothing will stand in the way of these bankers uh, making their profits. So yeah, uh, well, interesting I mean, one we, that. People talk a lot, very, qu very quickly, Rick, people talk a lot mm -hmm. about public-private partnerships. I mean, as a result, mm -hmm. uh, various projects were loaded with ridiculous amounts of debt in the Blair years and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the whole social contract works on the basis that the public sector and private corporations work together for everybody's benefit. Isn't that the way it's supposed mm -hmm. to work? Correct me if I'm wrong, Rick. You know, I was yeah. brought up when Britain was still a social democracy, not yeah. a sort of neoliberal uh, smash and grab fest. So in other words, there's no reason why, uh, given the huge profits that banks traditionally make, there's no reason why government can't simply say you are required to maintain the, you know, uh, of course, you can't expect a, a bank to have a branch if they simply don't have any customers in the area. But a formula yeah. can be worked out whereby if, say, it's a town of the size of 35,000 people, that there, it's required that there are two banks there. It's as simple as that, even if those yeah. individual branches aren't particularly profitable. Tough. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. They can afford to take a dump on that. You know, of course, it's going to negatively impact their profits, but they're still going to be making huge amount of profits anyway. But of course, banks are banks, and they're not known for their generosity or their care in the community efforts. They're known for their uh, ruthlessness when it comes to the balance sheet. So we've got to wrap this one up, Basil. Uh, just for your encouragement as well, a lot of people are very happy uh, that you're on here this morning. A lot of people glad that you're on in the online chat. Uh, just a simple compliment here. Basil is great. That's from hidden in plain sight. Oh, it's very kind. That one. Well, you can we that can one tell them I'll be, you. I'll be a regular again next year, and yep. uh, you will have the uh, advantage of seeing my face as well. So from um, next year, you'll you, see me regularly. New Year's Day. On a New Year's Day, just as we wrap this up, uh, Basil and I will be doing a kicker, a kickoff show uh, for New Year's Day. We're going to do a review of what's been going on during the festive period and, of course, what our thoughts and opinions are on the geopolitical stage for 2024. So that'll be the first Locked and Loaded show of 2024. Special, special guest, Mr. Basil Valentine himself. And we should be able to see him as well as hear those lovely, dulcet, gravelly tones coming from his larynx <laughs> so anyway on that on that note that's enough flattery for you now mr valentine and uh yeah we'll stay in touch <laughs> we'll stay in touch and uh yeah you'll hear from him again next year i'll be back after this short break with mr ran dawson all being well beaming in from korea so please listeners don't go away stay tuned for more magic here on tnt radio with his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? 
Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? The answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From AgInstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Mon. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. No, we don't want you to go away. We want you to stay tuned for at least uh, the next 15 minutes. Anyway, I'm really, really happy to be joined for the first time here on Locked and Loaded by the one and only Mr. Ryan Dawson. Ryan is an American, but he is currently based over in Korea. A little bit of background on him. He's a geopolitical analyst. Uh, he's a political radio host. He's also a documentary maker, and he runs the ANC Report, which is an independent media outlet. Ryan, welcome to TNT Radio. Maybe for your first time, certainly here on Locked and Loaded. How are you doing today? I think it is. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Uh, absolute pleasure, my friend. Listen, I want to try and squeeze as much in to the short time that we have here as possible. A lot happening on the world stage at the minute. Uh, in particular, uh, something that you are very focused in on is the takeover of the United States by neocons. That is something we could probably talk about for a good two or three hours alone. Uh, also, you're keeping an eye on what is going on in the Middle East. Maybe uh, if we could start off with that, Brian, uh, what's happening out there at the minute. Uh, 2023 was reasonably quiet up until October the 7th. Then, of course, the whole business kicked off uh, proper in Israel-Palestine. We're still seeing uh, the fallout of that now, talking about peace deals. There's been you know, tens of thousands of people killed. There's people displaced, talking about uh, genocide. Everything seems to be up in the air at the minute. Can you see this one settling down over the festive period, or is that just wishful thinking on people's parts? Uh, will we see this renewed in earnest again uh, into 2024? It's going to get worse. And as you say, it was pretty quiet, but it wasn't really quiet. They had murdered 224 Palestinians in virtual silence. That's part of why October 7th happened. Part of why they're motivated to to risk such a thing is because they are just being slaughtered year after year without any coverage or any media, no sympathy, nothing happens. There's a blockade. And of course, there's the ongoing annexation of the West Bank, too. 
the house demolitions, the shootings, the people arrested without warrants, people arrested without trials, children thrown in prison. And, the, you know, that's sort of the background to October 7th for people whose history starts in the middle. You know, they, they start with, uh, you know, the Israelis getting attacked. But they had murdered hundreds of Palestinians this year before October 7th, and they murdered them the year before and before and before. Do you find, uh, Ran, uh, especially with the Middle East, it's a it, it reminds me not in terms of the geopolitics of what's happening, but you remember back in February of 2022, no one knew what a Ukrainian flag looked like. No one knew who Vladimir Zelensky was. No one knew what had been going on in that country since 2014. No one knew what was happening in the Donbass region. And then all of a sudden, uh, when Russia conducted its special military operation, then oh. Ukraine Russia was thrust into the limelight in terms of the world stage. So people then got to know a little bit more about the background of what was happening there but of course the mainstream media kept that buried do you think the same thing potentially is happening with the middle east obviously you're well aware of what's been going on there for for a long time and if you're a, a history of that area it's been going on over in that area for millennia but especially over the last few years and especially since the 1940s do you think people are uh, lay people are getting an education right now as to what is the root causes of this violence that's happening at the minute, the same way as they did. Yeah. Whenever, no, uh, I think they're very surprised. I think they're super surprised. Like <laughs> we covered Ukraine since the dioxide poison in yeah. 2005. We covered the mm -hmm. coup in 2014. I went over it with Pepe Escobar, Joaquin Flores, mm -hmm. like Peter Lavelle. We were trying to tell people what a powder keg this was how bad it could get. And just, oh, February, they're all surprised. And then all the Ukraine flags were on Twitter. This is pre-Elon, you know. And the, yeah. if you said anything nuanced at all about Donbass, Russia, or anything, they would just censor you. And that's mm -hmm. part of why people don't know about the Middle East or Ukraine is because no one has a voice. You're not allowed on any major platforms if you tell the truth. And that's not yeah. just with war propaganda. That's with many things, with the medical information for example i don't know if i can say it on the show or not because i don't want to get in trouble but that's what i'm saying <laughs> like you get yeah, you censored can. you can't no you, you can't can so we can, like we can have a nuanced view about election results coronavirus so many different things and of course with ukraine it was like they'd really been demonizing putin since about 2008 with the uh pussy riot stuff and the in the georgian war and da da da, da. And those people in Donbass, you know, around thirteen to 14,000 people have been murdered in a war since 2014 in complete silence. No one had any idea that there was a civil war going on in Ukraine if they're just watching CNN, Fox, BBC, whatever. And their ignorance on Israel-Palestine is even worse because not only do they not know, they think they do know. And they're giving these fantastical, like, religious fables about how Jews yeah. returned there after 3,000 years. And that's their land like a god-ordained racism you know uh, so yeah when it happened they just thought what a hamas terrorist group attacked for no reason at all to the poor innocent israelis and what we're finding out is a lot of these innocent israelis were killed by other israelis who completely panicked this video footage of the apache helicopter firing on cars and tanks firing into kibbutzes and of course they just blame hamas no background given on why hamas attacked or that there are people living with a wall around them with the machine guns pointed at them every day. The, the context is completely gone and it's very tribalistic. People just pick a team, pick their side, no principles, no details. 
they're just on whatever they're on, including the Palestinian side. There's a lot of like hardcore leftists that are just pro-Palestine because they hate America. And yeah, yeah they, they're they're right by accident. Like, well, yeah, the Palestinians are definitely the oppressed side in this case. But is that something you know, or are you just sort of on autopilot, whatever's anti-Western, that's your thing, you know? Because you saw that in Syria, they side with ISIS. You see it where they side with Ukraine against Russia. So, Does this not like- though, highlight... Does this not highlight the the necessity though for alternate media platforms uh, like for example uh, ANC report that you run the documentaries that you've made over various topics over the last you know ten plus years? Yeah, yeah, but you know, and but then now we're finding you know allegedly there's going to be a release of some names of that uh, Epstein Black Book in January. Whether or not that actually happens or not, or whether or not some sacrificial lambs are thrown under the bus, no, they're releasing the, to be the seen. Does. The recruit. We already have the black book. We already have the flight yeah. logs, and I've got his client list right here, written on my back. Yeah, on your back. Yep. <laughs> it's just that it's the normies are waiting for someone on TV to be like, open up a box and pull out some notebook of like the client list, like they wrote them all down in a row. It's not how you get it. Like we determine the client list by listening to the victims and digging through and gathering people, so you can get like Leon Black and Glenn Dubin and all these people like by the testimony. It's out there. You just have to piece it together. There is no like book sitting in a vault somewhere that just listed all the people that were raping kids. I mean, that's ridiculous. Nobody yeah. would do that. But we do. I have about 100 of the 170 names now. And some of these names that will be released doesn't mean they were uh, perpetrators. Some of them are just like maids or drivers or people who had to work for him as a job and witness things and haven't been able to say anything some of them were victims and some of them are both some of them did help recruit and groom people but were also the same thing happened to them because that was one of their methods they're like well if you can bring some girls from your school but yeah so all of that all that's going to come out i hope unless there's an appeal Tell me this, uh, you're the first person that I've spoke to that's actually physically based uh, in Korea. Uh, uh, in terms of the, the the way things work over there, in terms of censorship, in terms of uh, government-sponsored media in the UK, of course, we've got uh, the BBC is the, the, you know, the government's propaganda arm in the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, it's it's uh, RTE News. Is it as bad as that where you live at the minute in terms of is there a state broadcaster or if you're doing an alternate media type platform or you're trying to get the word out there and uh, expose what's happening in Korea, for example, you know, the warts and all, would you be cracked down on hard or the censorship laws over there as tight as they are or worse uh, than they are in Europe? Oh, it's not America. as bad as BBC. That It's not that bad. Um, you got to think the last three Korean presidents went to jail. So they're willing to prosecute corruption all the way to the highest level. And I think the reason that is, is because because I lived in Japan for 16 years too. South Korea is very different because the common South Korean citizen is not apolitical. And the reason is North Korea. North Korea forces everybody to have at least a little bit of political awareness, to know what's going on up there at the DMZ and stuff. And then that sort of bleeds into other things. And so the general level is not like in america in a lot of places you have people who are very political or just not at all don't care but in korea there's sort of like at least some the common denominator is a little higher and because of that awareness you get more questioning of news more scrutiny more free speech um they do have censorship but like they censor porn for example not a bad idea however it has been harder for me to say research the 
Hunter laptop because there's porn all over it. <laughs> so it's like sometimes you get yeah. some false positive, but they have strict censorship in that sense, but not for like political news. It's uh it's pretty open and they're pretty critical themselves as well. Um there is propaganda, no doubt, but nothing on the level of CNN or BBC or any of those. Yeah. You know. Well, well, that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, one of the things we were discussing just before you came on uh, to do with, you know, when Musk bought the X platform, he was banging on about how he would open up the public square. Everybody would have free, free speech, res, uh, you know, restored again. But then again, the, the, he points Linda Yaccarino. She comes in as, a, you know, an ex-WEF yeah. or WF acolyte. And she says freedom of speech does not necessarily equate to freedom of reach. And just because he worked for Robert Kraft. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, just because something is lawful uh, doesn't mean that it's not awful. So these cheesy uh, slogans that she was coming out with effectively saying, OK, listen, even if we do grant you the right of freedom of speech in this platform, we're going to maybe suffocate you with algorithms. They still have to answer, for example, in the UK to Ofcom, which is our uh, you know information yeah. regulator. So even if he did provide freedom of speech, which I'm not saying that is the case, but even if he did do that, uninhibited freedom of speech, the regulator still has the power to deplatform the entire Twitter uh, X, uh, you know, monolith. Yeah, and some sites button. were blackballed. Like until very recently, all BitChute videos it just had a warning, no thumbnail or anything. Mm -hmm. That was recently changed. There's still people who aren't on X. They're still banned for whatever. They're not allowed on. Um, you cannot monetize X in Korea because they monetize X through Stripe and there's no Stripe to Korea. So all okay. these Korean bloggers and stuff, they can't get paid on Twitter. But So they're going to use Navair in line and they have their own thing. So they're going to do that. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done on Twitter. There's still people who are banned that shouldn't be. There's a lot of people who are shadow banned. And then he's at war with these advertisers. And we all know what that's about. Like the Media Matters piece didn't matter. All they did is refresh a page a whole bunch of times till they got it like adjacent to something racist or something. And they're like, ooh, look at that. Well, we all, everybody knows Elon Musk is not a racist. Nobody at Twitter is a racist. It's just an excuse. It's a pretext for them to pull ads. And they're pulling ads because they don't want free speech because free speech is detrimental to Zionism. And All also, Israel's uh, arguments are absolutely indefensible. The only way they ever win is they don't let the other side speak. And that can be applied as well. But when you think about on a medical perspective, you look at the amount of information that was coming out to debunk, you know, the the masking and the, you know, the, the social distancing and the, the lack of effectiveness or the lack of safety for the mRNA shots that were ruled out back in December of 2020. You know, the amount of information that was available to counter that was highly suppressed yeah. on uh, every mainstream media platform. It wasn't even talked about. People were demonized and vilified or banned completely off platforms like Twitter, which it was at the time and uh instagram and youtube channels were being shut down for daring to speak yeah. out against this uh they cracked down hard on the truth and i think that's why it's important uh for us to keep doing Jan six doing and other events. yeah but see, see with January the, the, 6th, the, ads, list, the list they're all mm -hmm. zionist <laughs> like the, if you look at who withdrew their ads bob Iger and all that it, it's not because of the virus it's not because of it's because of israel 
Well, well, here's the thing. Going into uh, 2024, because we're we're pretty much up to time here. You know, it's going to be a, a certainly an interesting year. I think we're uh, there's going to be no let up next year. There's so many things going hop, happening in so many different countries. Uh, Ran the focus uh, for you is probably uh, much of the things that you were talking about here. The, you know, the ongoing development of what's happening in the Middle East, and also, of course, the generation of America, the takeover by the neocons. But that'll be a conversation. Maybe we'll have it another time because. We're out of time here. They're, they're the reason we went are. to war in Iraq and everything yep. else. I mean, these serial liars have dragged us into yep. one conflict after another against U.S. interests. It's horrifying. But the it'll, more free speech we have, the harder it is to pull out, you know, for them to uh, to lie to people. It is, my friend. And listen, I wish I could talk to you a little bit more, but I'm going to get cut off here by the news. So in the meantime, massive thanks to you, Mr. Rand Dawson. We'll stay in touch and maybe get you back on again in the new year to talk about some other things. That's Rand Dawson beaming in from uh, Korea. I'm Rick Munn. I'll be back again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. UK time. If not, like, don't go away. Stay tuned for more TNT Radio.